Good worship. Super good. Excited to have you all with us this morning, both in person and online. Um, All you online viewers, pay attention. Uh, I want to encourage you, whether you're in this room or you're online or you're watching a recording of this sermon, that you would stay with us until the end. Because this might be some of y'all's last time listening to me ever again. It's fine. Because I'm not preaching the, the spirit of the Lord is. Just a vessel. But it's going to be good for some of y'all. Let's pray for this message. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would align our hearts with your word this morning, God. Father, would you remove any presuppositions, any personal convictions? Father, help us to line up our lives, our minds, and our actions with what your word demands. Father, it's for your glory so that you would be lifted up. Father, bring your spirit here this morning, God. Jesus name. Amen. Uh, we're going to be Matthew chapter two. For those of you that have been, uh, with us, you know that this is what we do, that we go along in the Bible line by line, word by word. And so we're taking a portion of Matthew this morning. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew, uh, chapter two, verses 16 through 23 says, then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men was exceedingly angry and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all of its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which had been determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping in great mourning. Rachel, weeping for her children, refused, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead." And he arose, took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there and being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside to the region of Galilee and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. He shall be called a Nazarene. What's going on in this scripture? Well, what's going on this morning is that uh, this is the portion of scripture where we see that Herod, who is the uh, ruler of the time and in the place, um, is uh, uh, decided that Jesus is so much of a threat that now he wants to kill Jesus. Jesus hadn't done anything. Jesus hasn't said anything. Jesus hasn't gathered any disciples to him. But Herod decides and says, you know what? We've got to kill Jesus. We have to kill Jesus. There, there's no other uh, thing that we need to do. And so what does he do? He ends up going down and uh, decides that he's going to kill all of the male children in Bethlehem. That's what he's going to do. He decides to do that. It's a disaster. It's a disasterly thing that he decides to do, but there's no other means that he's going to be able to accomplish his uh, purpose, which is to be able to uh, control the region that which he's been in charge of. And he's going to use whatever uh, means necessary to be able to accomplish it. Do not expect to be honored in a world where your master was crucified. That's what Charles Spurgeon said. Charles Spurgeon said, do not expect to be honored in a world where your master is crucified. From the time he was born, Jesus hadn't done anything and the governmental powers were out to kill him. We talked before about Herod's propensity for sin. We talked about how uh, he had the ability to kill his own family to hold on to his power. And so now we see the, 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 the culmination of his evil where he's willing to kill a whole entire town, uh, town's babies to be able to get to Jesus. People have always had a problem with Jesus. From the time he was born, man, he didn't have to say anything. He didn't have to do anything. He just got born and the world had a problem with him. The world will never fully accept Jesus. It's just not going to happen. 
We can, and we should do whatever we can to lead people to him. But to think that somehow that we're going to live in a time that our country or our world is going to accept Jesus is just not going to happen. The, the Bible declares that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But, but this idea of like, well, where God's going to bring a revival and the whole world is going to get saved, it's just not going to happen. And people say, oh man, you're a, you're a naysayer and you don't believe the word of God. I believe the word of God and I've read it. I've read it and I know that Jesus walked this earth. God in the flesh walked this earth and his inheritance was crucifixion. And if they rejected Jesus, they're going to reject me as well. That's what the Bible says. I want to talk to you about persecution today. I want to talk to you about what it is and how to prepare and what we're going to do. And, and, and you will uh, get some of your ruffles, your feathers ruffled this morning. You're going to hear things that probably you're like, oh, oh, interesting. I didn't think that was going to be said this morning in church, but it's okay. And I'm just fine with it. This sermon is going live on the internets right now. It's being recorded. And so forever, what the words that I will say will live in posterity on the, uh, uh, on the internet. Um, and so I'm, I'm fine with it. I really am. I want to talk about persecution. I want to start off by talking about some of the myths of, of, of persecution. And this is not my list. Uh, a man named David Gusick came up with it. And so I want to give him a uh, word for that. He, he's the commentator for the uh, Blue Letter Bible. And he had these 10 myths of persecution that I agree with. And so I want to share them with you this morning before we get into the sermon. And I want to share them because when you say the word crucifixion, people begin to, or excuse me, the word persecution, people begin to think certain things about Christian persecution. And so I want to talk to you about some of the myths first before we get into it. The first myth is this, is it's only persecution when people are getting killed. It's only persecution when people are getting killed. No, Joseph and Mary were persecuted when they needed to flee and go to Egypt. Paul was beaten and he was not killed. Um, When you lose a job or you're ostracized, that's persecution. It's a myth to believe that persecution is only when people are getting killed. As long as someone is, uh, someone else is persecuted worse, we shouldn't complain about being persecuted. No, persecution is persecution. Uh, Is it still racism if somebody isn't hanging from a tree? Still racism, still evil, and it still needs to be eradicated. Just because someone doesn't die doesn't mean that it's not persecution. Persecution has to be violent to be real persecution. No, if you verbally abuse your wife, you're an abuser. He's only verbally abusing you. You should just be glad he's not beating you. Persecution is persecution, even when it's bullying and words and laws. Persecution has to directly impact everyone before it's real persecution. It's not true. And again, I like to use the idea of racism because it's what everybody's talking about right now. Anybody's experiencing racism, it's bad. You can't say, well, it's not being experienced where we're at, so it's not, doesn't something that needs to be fixed. That's not true. Not all Christians in the world are treated the same. Right now, we've got brothers and sisters around the globe that are dying for their faith. It's not currently in America, not currently in America. Persecutors openly hate Jesus Christ and Christianity. Not always. Sometimes they seem friendly. They want to use us for their political means. And again, you will hear this morning, I'm not for or against any political party. I'm for Jesus. They will say whatever they need to say to get elected. They will say whatever they need to say to make you think that they're on your side. Some churches will help out with the persecution of Christians because they're afraid to stand up. People say Christians are persecuted without reason. No, we are not. They persecute us because we do not agree with what they agree with. We do not believe what they believe. A myth is Christians should always silently accept persecution. It's interesting. Jesus wasn't silent. He was silent when he got delivered up. But the the whole entire problem they had with Jesus is everything he said and did. He wasn't silent. He He spoke in parables. He stood up. He spoke to the power brokers and said, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Paul spoke up. We can speak up. A myth is that persecution, if it's happening, will unite the church. And it's just not true because there are some churches out there that are going to help in the persecution. Some Christians stand by in silence. People say persecution never works and it sure does because Christians refuse to speak up. They're afraid. How many, how many of you have wanted to say something and were afraid because of how you're going to be treated? Yeah, it works. 
It keeps Christians silent, keeps us from speaking up. Persecution is the worst thing that can happen to a Christian. No. Christians, even if we die, it's not the worst thing. You know what the worst thing is? Not going to heaven. That's the worst thing. What does persecution look like? See, the, the problem is, is that people think that persecution is uh, being burned at the stake. They, they think that it means that you're being crucified up to upside down on a cross. And so if that's not happening in the streets, then Christians aren't being persecuted. And so even this morning, as I preach it and someone will listen to this message, say, oh, well, you know, Christians aren't, aren't persecuted. Real persecution is people dying. I talked to you about the myths. It's just not true. Persecution today looks like bullying on social media. It's, it's, if you are a a business owner that chooses to take a stand for Christ, they will destroy you online and then destroy your business so you can't be in business. They will destroy you. They they literally will go to your work and say, do you realize that this type of person works for you? And then your, your boss will fire you based on what you did in your personal life when it's completely disconnected to your employer. That's what persecution looks like in 2020. It's the ostracizing by people at your work and in your community and at the hands of professing Christians who have abdicated their role in society under the banner, banner of tolerance, love, acceptance, and love. You know, the, defer, the, the definition of tolerance is that you can believe what you believe and I believe what I believe. That's the, def, the definition of tolerance. We, we don't live in an autocratic society that forces everybody what to believe yet. And, and, and if you talk to anybody and say, well, what if the government told you to believe a certain way? Would you think that would be good? And they would say no, but it comes to Christians and they want us to believe a certain way. They want us to say a certain thing. They want you to be silent. Persecution is laws that directly affect Christians and the institution of the church, such as zoning laws, gathering laws, those types of things. They don't affect other businesses, but they pass laws to, to limit the advance of the church. In, in Seattle, they've built one new church building in the last 50 years because of the oppressive zoning laws. Yeah, it's a, that's persecution. It does whatever they can to stop churches from growing. It's, it's, it's like when you uh, buy a church building in a city and then you begin to buy other houses on the block and people attack you for it. And ask you what you're doing when it's well within your constitutional rights to do so. It's rhetoric that is pervasively attacking Christian institutions and beliefs on media and TV. How how many times do you see just a normal Christian family on television? How many times do you see them in a movie? See, society would lead you to believe based on what they show you that uh, America is probably about 25 to 40% homosexual. That's what they would do because every show, every movie has a homosexual character. Where's the biblical character? The, 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 the statistics say that 70% of people in America believe in God, but the statistics also say that one to 3% of America is homosexual. But when they show it on movies and TV, they would lead you to believe that there's no Christians in America, but every show has a homosexual. That's persecution. That, that's displaying something that isn't true. Christians believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. That's an exclusive claim to truth and they hate us for it. I truly believe that everybody that doesn't believe in Jesus will not go to heaven. Not just believe. I mean, I'm talking about repent from your sins and live for Jesus. I believe those people will not go to heaven. And people say, well, you're sending people to hell. I'm not doing anything. I'm not that powerful. I'm going off what the word of God says, which is he is the way, the truth, and the life. See, Christians believe that marriage and sex should only be between a married man and a married woman. I believe this. I believe in male headship patriarchy. I believe that men are the head of the home. I believe that men are the head of the church. And they hate us for that. I don't know if you noticed this week with uh, Amy Coney, uh, Comey Barrett and her confirmation. She's, she's uh, going to be the newest uh, Supreme Court justice. She was, she's, she's uh, got seven kids. She graduated from Notre Dame as a uh, number one in her class. She's a circuit court judge. And, and she was ostracized because she is a, uh, a Catholic that's part of a charismatic Catholic group that believes in male headship. 
And, and they paint it as she belongs to an organization that subjugates women and holds them down. Gosh, they have just limited who she could be. Gosh, what a loser. You know what I mean? Like to think that all she could accomplish in her life was to become a Supreme Court justice. Her husband sure held her back. They kept her from being successful. They don't understand us. They attacked us. Jesus was the greatest advocate of women that you ever saw. He talked to women that he shouldn't have talked to. He lifted up women that he shouldn't have lifted up. Jesus was pro-woman, but he never went against male headship. It's a great mystery that they don't understand. But for those of you that know your Bibles, understand it. What a loser, only a Supreme Court justice, all because of male headship. And it's funny in our house, we talk about word. We, I literally use the word patriarchy in my church, in my house. I have a son and I have a daughter and my daughter will say things to me like, well, how come Gabe gets to do that? Not me. I say, because we believe in the patriarchy here. That's why. And she goes, okay. I believe in the Bible. I believe in what it says. I believe in that the nuclear family is God's ideal for the world. One man, one woman married forever. It's how it's supposed to be. I'm a child of divorce. I was raised by a single mom. I turned out okay. In spite of all of it. But it's not God's ideal. And and so if you're divorced or you're a single parent, like I'm not ostracizing you, but I hope in your heart you would agree and say like, it's not God's ideal. God's ideal was, you know, for my mom and dad to stay married together forever. It's like, it's like someone that made the mistake of having an abortion. You can still say that's wrong. You, you, just because you had one doesn't mean you have to fight for them the rest of your life. You're saying, you know what? That was wrong and I shouldn't have done that. And God can forgive you and God can restore you. And you can move forward, but you can stand up and say, you know what? Abortion's wrong. We don't believe in abortion. We don't believe in evolution. We believe that sexual immorality is wrong. Drunkenness is wrong. Drug abuse is wrong. We hate pornography and we hate lawlessness. And the people who are the actual power brokers in this world say that Christians are oppressive. But ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, CNN, every city newspaper, Facebook, Twitter, MSN, magazines, movies, TV, music, public schools and public universities have the influence over the nation, not us. They run it all. But we're oppressive because we get together in our little churches and preach the Bible. I mean, this whole Facebook and Twitter thing, these two guys are running the planet's information, man. For-profit companies, all of them, they're all for-profit companies. They make money based off their advertising revenue and they control the information in the narrative and they're definitely not pushing out Bible scriptures. Our beliefs and our positions are shouted down. We're threatened with violence. We are, we're threatened with violence. I mean, you go and watch the videos. If you see someone that goes uh, to, uh, I've never been to a gay parade and I, I never will go because it's just not my thing. But if someone goes there and they hold a sign that says, Jesus loves you, you can watch videos of people on YouTube that literally attack these people, physically assault them because of their beliefs. We're labeled bigots, racists, that we're prejudiced, that we're phobic. I'm not phobic. I'm not afraid of anybody. Backwards people who are not in touch with the times. Christian universities take the words Bible and Christian out of their university names because they know that Christians that attend their universities will not get jobs if you have the word Christian or Bible on your job resume. And so that's why they changed the name of all of their institutions so kids can get jobs. The Pence rule that came up a a few uh, years ago when uh, Vice President Pence said, I wouldn't be in a room with a woman who's not my wife. They ostracized him for that as a Christian. And everybody else that's a Christian is like, yeah, I wouldn't do that either. Wouldn't do that at all. My my daughter is uh, taking philosophy at, uh, uh, at Green River Public School. And so I was sitting there at the table thumbing through her textbooks because I like to do it, see what they're talking about. In her philosophy book, in the class that she's in right now, uh, they, they spent a, a few pages 
talking about the dangers of Christianity on the planet and how uh, feminism, and feminism is not the empowerment of women. Feminism is the destruction of Christianity. Because they're talking about how uh, the beginning story of Christianity is, in, is Adam and Eve, and that Christians had written the Bible in a way to make it seem like it's sin is women's fault, and that the whole book is about uh, women being over or women being under men and men subjugating them, and that the goal of feminism was to destroy all of these uh, institutions of Christianity. It really like this is the books they teach. Now they didn't say anything about Buddhism. Didn't say anything about Muslims. Didn't say anything about Sikhs. Christianity, because Christianity is the enemy. You know, my son graduated from Green River uh, online. On the public school thing, they had an invocation at the beginning. And at the beginning, because Green River is uh, in the tribal area, they had a gentleman that came out and on on the television screen, and he was a, a Native American, and he had a drum, and he sang a thing with a drum. It lasted five or six minutes, and there was other people from the Muckleshoot tribe there, and I and I was sitting there, and I was, and, and I wasn't even upset with the fact that they were doing it. It didn't offend my sensibilities. Whatever, it's great. Muckleshoot people, we're in Auburn. Let them let them say a whatever. What bothered me is that if a Christian had done that, they would never let it happen. I don't, I don't, I, I can handle listening to somebody else's prayers. I can handle whatever, but they can't handle it. If you had someone on there speaking in tongues for five minutes over the graduation for Green River, be blood in the streets. You never even heard about the fact that a tribal member said a, a prayer over the Green River graduation because nobody cares. But if it was Christian, there would be blood in the streets. We are the ones who forgive the pedophile. We are the ones who forgive the adulterer, the murderer, and the fornicator. We're the ones that give the most money, do the most good. We literally invented public education in the hospital, drug rehab, and we're the wrong ones. We do the most good. We believe that Jesus is the answer to every problem that society has. And we're destroyed for it. We believe in love. We believe in the, the eradication of, uh, in, uh, of inequality and racism and poverty and all the drug. We want to r- eradicate all of it through Jesus Christ. But they want to destroy us. We're persecuted for our beliefs. You can't deny an invite to a gay co-worker's wedding on religious grounds and not be ostracized for it. You can't refuse to share a room with a co-worker of the opposite sex on a business trip without condemnation. You can't opt your children out of sex education without being labeled backwards. I literally, I've told my kids since the time they were born that they're not allowed to date. And people say, what? Why do you, this is so backwards. We're Christians. Dating, if you're not working towards marriage is a waste of time and money. Let me tell you that too. Sports are on Sundays. Business is on Sundays. How, how, how many times have you heard about churches uh, during this COVID thing? Where they've, they've talked about news stories of churches being super spreader events and how churches are doing this or churches are doing that. You haven't heard anything about Muslims or Buddhists or Sikhs. You know, it's funny, all the information that the government puts out, it's all centered around churches. I studied out and look at the Muslim churches, Muslim churches at the mosques, they go and they have a communal basin that they wash their hands in before they go in and pray. There's no guidance about that. Those guys go in and they split up with men and women and they pack them in for prayers. They don't talk about that. All they talk about is the churches. Why? Because they don't like us. They don't like what we stand for. There's literally uh, Dory Munson, who's a talk show guy from Seattle. He got fired because he wrote a tweet about how there's only two genders. Because that's backwards nowadays. Like we're literally in a place where it's, it's offensive to say that there's boys and there's girls. They're, they're redefining the dictionary after Amy Coney Barrett's uh, confirmation thing where she's, she talked about homosexuality being a sexual preference. Webster's Dictionary Online quickly changed the definition of preference that in used in reference to sexual uh, uh, preference that it's considered offensive. That we're, we're living in a time where they're changing the meanings of words to be able to attack Christians. 
At the end of the day, this is what they want. No reference to God anywhere. They want to have sex with whomever they want. They want to answer to no one and and they can get enough people in the group to vote to agree with whatever they think is the most important flavor of the day. Literally, and these are news stories, there was a InterVarsity, which is a Christian ministry, got kicked off a, a, a school campus because they required the leaders of their Christian ministry to be Christians. <laughs> so the university kicked them out. Teacher in New Jersey gives a kid a Bible, gets fired. Football coach over here on the peninsula prays over his team, fired. And then these just, I mean, we haven't talked about the bakers and the uh, photographers and all these other people that are just like, dude, we're not light, we're not getting, we're just like, I just don't want to do it. You know, here, here's the, here's the root of persecution. The root of persecution is the fear of loss of power. Those who have power do not want to lose it. This was Herod's problem. And it's the God of this world's problem as well. The, The God of this world has a religion. It's called secular humanism. It's secular humanism. The state is their God. This, this is why, all right, I got to get off topic here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you. Let me help you, okay? Do you know why politics have so much vitriol now? It's because the state is their religion. And so when you do not vote for their political candidate because they do not have a God, you are attacking their God. That's why they get so upset. And I don't care whether you're Trump or whether you're Biden. It's the same way with people that claim that they're Christians and you attack Trump. They're like, because they think that that's their God. They think that Biden is their God because they worship the state. They see the state as their savior. They see the government as their protector and they submit to it and they want people to worship it. That's why people get so, I, I, I don't get an emotional response about politics or politicians. Like, dude, those people are some stupid people, but I don't like, you're you're not going to catch me with, you know, water coming out. Like, I'm just like, it's not that big of a deal to me. Politics are going to politic, man. They're afraid of loss of power. And again, I'm being very careful with my words this morning in regards to political party because I don't want you to think. They both, they both do not like Christians. They don't like what we really stand for. Mark 12, 12, and they sought to lay hands on him, Jesus, but feared the multitude for they knew he had spoken the parable against them. So they left him and went away. See, Herod's fear is that people would call Jesus, the King of the Jews, that people would follow Jesus. Now, remember, we talked about the two different Herods. The Herod later on, which isn't this Herod, was that was scared of Jesus because of the influence and the power that he had over Judea. So he had to crucify him. He had to destroy him because he knew that he was going to lose power. Governments do not like people who follow someone other than them. They want submission. They want followership. Why, why do you think every president cozied up to Billy Graham from all parties? Because they knew if, if Billy said it, we're going to roll. It's true. And so they, they're like, well, this guy's a power broker. So we've got to get in line with this power broker because we know if he turns the Christians against us, then what are we going to do? Their fear of their loss of power. Secondly, they, they don't like shining light on their sin. People love their sin. Oh, they love their sexual immorality, their drunkenness, their gossip, their anger, their self-righteousness, their selfishness, their idolatry, their greed, their envy, and their debauchery. And anyone poised to take it, they reject because they don't want to give up their sin. Have you ever had this experience at work where everything is fine and you're one of the group and then all of a sudden they find out that you're a Christian and then break time becomes beat upon the Christian. Has anybody ever experienced that before? Then the break room just begins and it's never like, tell me about your religion. They're like, do you think gay people are going to hell? That's that's the opener. Do you believe in gay marriage? I said, what they do? Because the the Christian has now become the target. The Christian has become the whipping boy. Because they love their sin. You don't even have to say anything. You just have to be like, I went to church. Okay. Why do you hate me? I, I do not hate you. I believe in America, man. See, here, here's an example. I'll give you a real world, world example. Is that across the street here, we've got this coffee stand where uh, the ladies wear next to nothing and serve their coffee. And some people have said like, well, why don't we go and do something? I'm like, because this is America. 
Like America means you do what you're going to do on your side of the street and I'm going to do what I do on the side of the street. I don't like it. I think it's disgusting. I think it's horrible. But, but what I also know is that my ability to stand in here and preach the word of God is predicated on freedoms as guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution. And sadly, that means that sometimes you have to allow things that you may not agree with. Things that are offensive. So I'm not going to go over there and I'm not going to bother you. You do what you're going to do. I'm going to pray against you and I'm going to vote the way I'm going to vote. But that means that you stay on your side of the street. I'm going to stay on my side of the street. That means I can say what I want to say inside here because we, 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 we're a country that believes in the Constitution. We're, we're, we're going to have a class coming up because I, I want you guys to really learn what the Constitution teaches because people, people do not understand what the Constitution says and what it really means. If you would read the Constitution, you would see at the beginning that it says, under the supreme judge of the universe, the, 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 the framers of the U.S. Constitution and our state constitutions, even Washington State, they had an understanding that rights are given by God and that government protects rights. It doesn't give people rights. And so any right that is protected by God means that you don't have to get these from the government. The government is instituted to protect these rights, not to give these rights. So being able to speak freely is something that as God has given us as a right. And some people say, well, times have changed. We should change that right. No, because it's a God-given right. It's a God-given right to be able to protect yourself. That's a God-given right to not incriminate yourself is a God-given right. Even Moses said, by two or three witnesses shall somebody be condemned and that you don't have to speak on behalf of your own defense. That's that's God's natural law. And so when people go and they say, oh, well, we should get rid of these amendments because, you know, I don't like people having guns or whatever. Well, is the 13th Amendment up for discussion? Should, should, should we go and change the fact that we realized that slavery was horrible and that we shouldn't have enslaved people because people are created to be free? Should we go back and take away the rights of women to vote? No, because it's, it's wrong. We're, these are things that are about our freedoms that are not given by the government. They're given by God. And the government is instituted by men to protect these rights that we are given. Proverbs 129, because they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. They love their sin. John 3.20, Jesus, this is right after John 3.16, if you know numbers. <laughs> For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest its deeds should be exposed. And when it shines, they attack to protect their sin. They don't want to give it up. They love their sin. It's a hatred of truth, Romans 1.18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and righteousness. See, people don't want to know the truth because it reveals that they are not in power and that they are in sin as that they need a savior. It humbles them and they don't want the truth. And we as Christians, just by a mere existence, shine light on their sin. Here, here's the truth. Man, that was just the beginning. Let's get into this thing. Are you guys still with me this morning? Yeah. wonder how many people are still online. I hope you're with me because here comes the good part. No Christian escapes persecution. <laughs> now, many people who claim to be Christian escape persecution because they live like the world lives and does what the world does. It's very easy. Just act like them and they will never say anything wrong to you at all. Just believe what the world believes and, and, and don't ever ruffle any feathers and they will accept you and you'll get invited to everything and they'll say nice things about you. See, this is prophecy. If you go to John chapter three, this is Jesus talking. John chapter, excuse me, 15. I was like, not three, it's 15. Go to John chapter 15. I know it's probably going up there, but I like the Bible. John 15, 23. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and have also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in law. They hated me without a cause. The cause is simply you align yourself with Christ. There's no other reason why the world hates you. And Jesus promised that we would experience and even more as we see the day approaching, we're going to experience it. Jesus said in John 15, 18, if the world hates you, you know, it hated me before it hated you. 
The, the inheritance of Jesus was persecution and death. He fled from the authorities many times because they intended to arrest him and kill him because they didn't like what he did. This is, this is why when people always say Christians should play nice, I can be as nice as possible, but as nice as I say it, they still get upset. Yeah. I can say it with a smile and not even with a coarse tone and they get upset because it shines a light on their sin. See, Jesus wasn't bound by their laws or their ideas about who God was and what they thought God should be. He was an offense from the time that he was born. He broke the law. He healed on the Sabbath. He ate with the unclean. He hid from the authorities. He, he lifted up women. He spoke with Samaritans. All, the, all these other religious and, and governmental rulers tried to put him in a box and say, you're not allowed to do that. And he's like, I'm God in the flesh, man. <laughs> Trying to show y'all something. Because what was right was right in his eyes and in God's eyes. Not in the eyes of those who pass godless laws. That's why Jesus said, you know, you, you clean the inside of the cup and bowl, but you don't even pay attention to, or, or you, you clean the outside, but you don't clean the inside of the cup and bowl. See, Peter says that we should expect persecution and watch for it to come. Not be surprised. First Peter 4.12, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though something strange is happening to you. If you're going to stand up for righteousness and live a certain way, it's going to ruffle the godless feathers around you. That's just how it's going to be. And I get it. For some of you, you've never experienced persecution because you've never spoken up. Uh, I, I, I decided when I was 15 years old that I was going to be an outspoken Christian and I was going to say things, uh, that other people didn't want to hear. Not, not because I liked a fight, but because uh, I believe that truth needs to be spoken. And so when you're 15 years old and you're working at a pizza joint with a bunch of grown adults that find out that you're a Christian, it's beat up the Christian night. And, and, and there's like, I can't even repeat in church some of the most hateful things that these people said to me when I said I wanted to be a pastor at 16 years old what they said my motives were and why I wanted to do it because they just wanted to destroy me. I mean, and and I experienced persecution when I was uh, at my Christian university too, because I was dumb enough to take God at his word. And and, and people say, well, you know, you're backwards, whatever. I've lost so many friends from my Christian university because I'm just kind of, I guess I'm old school and that I believe the Bible. You know, I got an argument with somebody who at at their church, uh, they were changing their views on homosexuality um, and they, and, and he said to me, he said, man, well, you know, we've been our elder board and all these other people and reading these books about homosexuality. You should read it. I was like, I did read a book on homosexuality. <laughs> I read it. And I, and I, listen, man, I, we, we talk, I talk about homosexuality, not because, uh, you know, I like to rail on people, but it's just an example of like, we are in America. Okay. The, the, the homosexual marriage thing that, that is set sail. We're never getting it back. You know, the, the truth is probably, uh, abortions the same way. It's just that ship has sailed. We lost that battle. We're never going to get it back. But here's the deal is that, uh, if you're a homosexual person and you live across the street and we, we, uh, we did have that, uh, a couple that live, we were nice to them and give them cookies at Christmas and talk out in the neighborhood or whatever. It's fine. But this is America. And they can tell me that I'm a backwards, nobody, dumb, dumb, stupid head, whatever, you know? <laughs> I don't care. Like it doesn't, like I don't lay in bed at night and suck my thumb because someone said they didn't agree with me. Like I just don't care. And so when I use that as an example, it's not that it's, it's this idea of like, dude, do you let me do me. And sometimes what I'm doing is something you may not agree with. I'm not coming after you. I'm not trying to do anything to you. Quite the opposite. You're coming after me because you just don't like the fact that I don't agree with what you are doing with your life. When you say no to something and you set a limit with somebody, they don't like it. If you tell your kid's teacher or coach no or an employer no, you're going to be persecuted for it. If you tell your boss, I'm a Christian, I don't work on Sundays, you might lose your job, especially if they're making adjustments for other people. And if you do lose your job, let me know because I know an employee lawyer and we'll sue them and we'll pay off the church building, okay? So... I just want equal treatment under the law. I just do. When your family doesn't understand why you'll come to the family functions after church on Sunday, or you can't go for whatever godly reason that you come up with, you're going to experience persecution. And you know what? It's okay. And if, and if you speak the truth on social media or in person to someone, they're going to be mad, mad. Not kind of mad. They're going to be mad, mad. Super mad. 
And if you really want to be persecuted, say something to a person who thinks they're saved. Oh man, you're really going to get it. It's funny. The persecutors can, can, can quote scripture in verse for all the stuff that they try to use to subjugate us, but they don't want the rest of it. Man, I don't know how these people don't even know how to tie their shoes, but they're like Matthew's chapter seven. Do not judge. They, they literally know it's scripture in verse. The Bible says submit to authorities. Now the Bible says to submit to the authority. Jesus didn't submit to unjust laws. Second Timothy three twelve. Yes. And all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Oh, I got to speed up. Here's our, here's the response to persecution. Since persecution is inevitable, we should expect it, prepare for it and respond well. Jesus said in Luke 6, 22, blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you, they revile you and cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake. You're blessed for persecution. You're blessed for it, man. Jesus said it. Don't be upset about it. Uh, just rejoice in it and say, man, praise God that, I, that, that, that I'm being hated. Blessed, blessed because Jesus said. First Peter three fourteen. but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed and do not be afraid of their threats and be troubled. You do not have to be worried or troubled. I, I've read the end of the book. We win. Amen. It's going to be fine. The world is going to world. Just let them be themselves. First John three thirteen. do not marvel my brethren. If the world hates you, why are you surprised? They hated Jesus. How much more? Oh, I can't believe that they feel this way. I just assume that most people don't like me because I'm a Christian. I just don't. And, and I don't need their praise. I, I live for the adoration of one. Amen. I, I want God to be proud of me and that's it. They're going to, they're just going to hate you and you have to learn to be okay with it. And, and I know I talk a lot about the church. It's because I'm trying to create a culture that, that loves and understands the church, but it's important. Uh, this is why I never understand the inner fighting that happens in churches, the, the, the gossip and the slander and uh, the infighting. If we truly lived how God intended us to be, when you're out in the world all week, you would just get chewed up so much that you would come back into church on Sunday and be like, man, I need some hugs, man. I got tore up this week. The problem is that people aren't willing to fight the good fight of faith during the week. And so they got all this energy left over. They come to church on Sunday and then they want to fight with other Christians. That's how church was supposed to be a place where we come back together to encourage each other to say, brother, sister, I'm with you. We're going to get through this next week as we await Christ's return. Don't give up the good fight. Cause here's the truth. Romans eight thirty five. who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The answer is no one shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword sword. Nothing can separate us. God loves rain. God's love reigns over our lives. We don't have to live in fear. People say, well, you know, pastor, you preach a sermon like this and you're going to turn people off from Jesus. I'm not trying to turn anybody off from Jesus. This is where we're at. We're talking about persecution. I'm talking about you, what Christians get persecuted for today. It's the truth. You know, I was, I was talking to some pastors a few months ago about opening up. I'm like, come on, man, COVID's over. Let's go. Let's open up our churches. And they're going to say, well, you know, the people in the community are not going to view the church very well. And I'm just like, how are they viewing you before? Were you beating them off with a stick? Like... <laughs> I'm confused because, you know, they don't like us, man. And it's fine. It's okay. I, I made the decision many years ago that I'm going to fail preaching God's word. And if they don't like us and they don't want to be a part of us, we're just going to do this until there's two of us left. And then we'll close up shop and we'll open up an ice cream store. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> We've got to realize that we're blessed. Matthew five ten. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says that we should bless those that persecute us. Don't get upset about it. Don't be angry about it. Not at all. Romans twelve fourteen. Ah, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. If someone's giving you a hard time, just pray for them. Man, I hope that God blesses them. I hope they get good things in their lives. Because it's the kindness of God that leads, leads people to repentance. So let, don't let them get their just reward. Say, so you know what? I hope that person gets blessed. Matthew 5, 44, but I say, love your enemies, bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. If there's someone around you that, that, that doesn't like you, just pray for them more. I mean, throw heaps of coal on their head and give them a gift. Just love on them. Man, I just wanted to love on you some more. Because here's the reality. We should rejoice that we get to share in Christ's suffering. 
Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sins. Uh, nails driven into his hands and feet. His side was speared. And we have to deal with words. So far, I mean, it, it's probably going to change eventually. First Peter 4.13 says, But rejoice to the extent you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. You know, young people that are here this morning, I know you guys lose relationships because you choose to live for Christ. It's happened with my, with my kids. They've lost friends because they stood up for Jesus. It's fine. God will bring you good, godly friends that will love you. That's the reason why I'm so, so that's why youth group is such a big deal, man. Make good, godly friends, people that you can be friends with because, uh, the, the world is going to be the world, but it's going to be worth it. You have to make a choice though. You can either go to the world and get their praise or you can get the praise of God. Hebrews eleven twenty five. choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. I've said it often and stick with me. I'm almost done. We're getting, we're round in the corner. I know this is a little bit longer sermon, but it's okay. Okay. You can leave right now and go back to wherever you came from and that group will accept you. You can go back to the bar and start drinking. They don't care how long you've been sober. You can go find that relationship that you cheated on with your spouse and they will accept you. You can go back to your drugs. You can go back to your pornography and go back and it will receive you with open arms. Or you can choose and say, you know what? I stand with Christ and I'm going to suffer for righteousness sake. I can make that decision. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the the passing pleasures of sin. I, for one, I want to be with Jesus. I want persecution. That's what I want. Psalm 8410, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Revelation 6, 9, when he opened up the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. The truth is they've shut down the churches with the corona under the fear of a virus completely unconstitutional. If I want to die at the hands of a virus, it's my constitutional right to do so. They're not outlawing bacon. Not outlawing cigarettes. I don't think smoking cigarettes will send you to hell. I just don't. You just get there fat. You just get to heaven faster. I don't agree with it. I think it stinks and it smells and it costs you a whole lot of money. We, just, we, we have a right to do it. People are still skydiving. Right. Yeah. A constitutional right, man. If I want to shoot up heroin, marry a man, castrate myself, smoke weed, light a street on fire, or celebrate any other kind of evil, they'll show me a parade. Yeah. If I want to get together with some of my brothers and, Christi- brothers and sisters in the Lord and say, can we worship God Almighty, ruler of heaven and earth? Oh, man, they're ruining the world. Whatever. John 16, 2, they will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. Make no mistake, friend, they're coming for us. I'm not trying to be a doomsday. If I would have told you that 2020 was going to be like this last year, would you believe me? Can you, can you just agree with me? How many of you this, this year would say, I never thought this was going to happen? All of it. And then I tell you, like, one day you are going to come to church and there's going to be people on all the sidewalks surrounding us, yelling at us, holding signs, and you're going to have to walk past them and come to church. I don't know when that's coming, but I know it's coming. Because cancel culture is going to run out of statues to topple and people to fire and businesses to hate. And they're going to sit around like, hey, there's a bunch of, you know, nameless people in small little buildings that worship God. Let's go attack them. Look at this sermon that's online on YouTube with this guy. First Corinthians 4.13, being defamed, we entreat. We've been made as the filth of the world. Some translations say the scum of the earth as dung, the off scouring of all things until now. That's who we are to them. And I'm ready. I'm ready. I hope you are. And for those of you that are like, man, I'm not sure if I have the courage. That's why you got to be in the ark. That's why you got to be in the church. There are more than enough people in this church that are ready. That there's... <laughs> Just stand with us and we'll we'll take care of you. It will be fine. Buy a bucket of food and get ready. It'll be okay. But I'm going down with my family. I'm not going down by myself. Amen. I'm ready for the persecution. Herod wanted to kill Jesus. He didn't want to lose power. When Jesus was a baby, now Herod hides in the government, wants to do the same thing. They want to eradicate Christianity, but not on my watch. Just not going to happen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? Well, 
you've never signed up for persecution, today's your day. I sold you on the idea of being persecuted for Jesus and you would like to sign up. We'd love to have you on our team. Love to accept you into the family of God. You do get forgiveness from your sins. You do get that. And sometimes the big piece of chicken and an extra scoop of ice cream. I love living for Jesus. It's the best life. Been living for Jesus for 30 years and I've never turned back. I'm excited to serve the Lord. I love living for Jesus. The only cost is, is that they hate you and that's okay. If you've never turned away from your sins, if you've never accepted Jesus, if you've never said, I want to be a Christian, I want to be counted amongst his people, and you'd like to become a Christian this morning, we'd like to pray with you. Is there anybody that needs to make that determination for the first time, that decision to say, I want to be a Christian? If you need to make that decision, raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to be a Christian. Maybe you've been far from God. You knew the truth. You were raised in the church. You meant, man, I don't know what happened, but I'm not living for Jesus anymore. I've lost my way. And you want to rededicate your life. You want to come back. And I'm not talking about superstition. I want you to raise your hand and go back to your filth. I want you to raise your hand and say, you know what? I'm living for Jesus now. I'm not going back. If you need to make that decision, would you raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to live for Jesus. We did have a rededication. First service gentleman came up to me. He said, he said, pastor, I don't live like a Christian during work during the week. I do what my coworkers do and I'm not doing it anymore. I want to live for Jesus in all areas of my life. Thank you, Lord. Father, we pray that we would be people that would just rejoice in suffering. Father, we pray that we would bless those that persecute us, God. Father, not that we would poke the bear, but we would just not be ashamed of who we are and whose we are. Father, give us your strength by the power of your Holy Spirit to live for you in every of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning online and watching. Make sure you share and you like and subscribe and all the other stuff. Thank you so much for coming. And we're out. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.